like I said yesterday, this is not for me to offend anybody or anything else, but um, uh, uh, people can do whatever they want to do. But all of the information that we share is, uh, thank you, all of the information that we share applies to heterosexual marriage between a man that was born a man and a woman that was born a woman. Uh, and the reason why we say that, um, the Bible says that um, um, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and, be, and cleave unto his wife. It didn't say cleave unto his partner. It says for this very purpose, you know, uh, the way in which God created the male and female. He said, in the beginning, I created the male and female. So for this purpose, what purpose? How I created them. Shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. So I'm going to share this again. Okay, when, when a man marries a woman, God makes them one because they did it according to the blueprint. So how he makes them one is, because that's always a mystery, how does he make them one and they're still two? Well, what he does is he takes her spirit reduplicates it in me and then he takes my spirit and reduplicates it in her so when she's walking around i'm walking around with her and vice versa they become one so when two dudes hook up god does not do anything he does not merge them when two women hook up he does not merge them when they stand before a minister two men two women or an animal because people are marrying animals now just so in case you didn't know that when they stand before a quote-unquote minister and they say i do the law might recognize the marriage, but God doesn't because there was no change in the spirit. The Bible says when a man marries a woman that a blessing comes upon them and now you operate in favor with same-sex unions because there is no such thing as a same-sex marriage. They say that, but that does not exist. Just because you create a word doesn't mean it is true. Okay, so they say marriage, but marriage is defined by what God, how God defined it. He merges two individuals, and then he crowns them with supernatural favor. So now influence, all of creation and nature recognizes that crown. When two individuals of the same sex hook up, all they did was stand before somebody, and they had a ring, and they got a piece of paper. God does not even recognize it, period. And so you can be mad about that. I really don't care. Because we're going into a, this, um, when you take a road down perversion, things get worse and worse. And so now people are marrying animals. Um, and this is not no once in a while isolated. And so this is serious, y'all. Even the sinners are like, okay, y'all, somewhere along this got to stop. People are trying to marry plants. People are trying to marry trees. I told you, some of you didn't hear this. They got a situation in the UK right now. They thought it was just a couple of people. 10,000 men, 10,000 men live their life as puppies. They live their life as puppies, literally. They, they crawl around on all fours. They live with a family or a handler. They eat dog food. They take them out for walks. I mean, you, can, you should see the picture. It's a guy walking down the street. Guy walking down the street. He has a two-leash, and it's, and it's two men walking on all fours. And they said they thought it was isolated. When they researched, they said there were over 10,000 men in the U.K. doing this. 10,000. See, when you take a step towards perversion outside of God's purpose, you start heading towards becoming a monster. Okay? And there's nothing that re can be, re be reboots. Now, so I'm not going to talk about today. That'll be a separate session. There are five doors to homosexuality and lesbianism. Five doors that a person can open that makes a person become that way. I don't have time to teach on that, but there are five things that make a person become that way. Okay? So that's the thing with that one. Do we have any more? Yes, okay, go ahead. The last thing I want to share is the, the, the awesome secret of having a remarkable marriage is transparency. You have to be transparent, but there are things that hinder, can hinder you from being transparent with your spouse. And so 
We're, we're asking you, we're challenging you, we're encouraging you to be transparent because they have to have information. They have to have knowledge on how to minister to you, how to love you, how to help you be the best woman or the best man you can be. With some things that can hinder a person from being transparent is the spouse not creating a safe environment. And what I mean by that is you want to share with your husband or your, or your wife some things that happened to you in your childhood something traumatic that happened to you when you were a teenager, the abuse you suffered in your first marriage or your second marriage. You want to be able to share those things because the person doesn't know, and he's not a mind reader. She's not a mind reader. And you want, you want to open your heart, and you want to share because in sharing, you become free, you can become healed, and the person understands you better. But when you deal with a spouse that has a condescending attitude, may have had a great upbringing or may not have had the trauma that you've had, they can have a judgmental or a critical attitude. They can be immature. They can say words that hurt in the midst of you trying to share. And God forbid, if you do open your heart and you share, and then you get into an argument, and then the spouse uses those words against you. I mean, you can damage a person's heart for a very long time. You can do irreparable damage. So we're encouraging you to be transparent with one another, but the spouse has to create a safe environment so that things can be shared and things can, and people can be healed and you all can move on. There's no such thing as you being transparent without feeling vulnerable. Um, you, you don't get a chance to do it that way. That's why some people won't be transparent because of how they feel. It makes them feel vulnerable. And that's just how it is. I mean, that's just how it is. You have to be, you know what, you have to be vulnerable. Let me say this. No matter what you do, your spouse is going to hurt you sometime or another. You might as well deal with that. And a lot of times it won't be by accident. Ladies, how many of you know, men can say some of the most stupidest stuff, and when you bring it to attention, they don't see nothing wrong with it. They don't see nothing wrong with it. And the reason why is because it wasn't said to you. You don't feel the pain of your actions or your words because it wasn't done to you. It was done to the other individual. So you just put it out there, and you don't even feel it. You just go on about your business. And so you have to be careful about that. All right. I'm going to recap a couple of things, and we're going to jump into what we have today so we can push this through. Uh, I talked about yesterday. And let me, let me say this, too. Um, I told him yesterday, I was washing the car, and the Holy Spirit told me that he was that God was very grieved with the state of Christian marriages. Um, God is not really grieved with sinners because that's what they're supposed to do is mess up everything. Um, that's their nature. But it is not our nature to fail in any single area. And, and so I thought when I shared that, it would be done with. But when I got home last night, he brought it to my attention again. Share it again tomorrow morning. Now, the Holy Spirit, particularly with certain marriages, he is very grieved with the way Men are treating their wives, and wives are treating their women. I'm sorry. Wives are treating their husbands. Uh, he's extremely grieved because, you know what, sometimes, y'all, sometimes, some of us are acting a fool just simply because we, we think we can get away with it. And, you know, there's some people that they just act crazy just because they're immature. And, and you can't be around the things of God, especially not some of the stuff we push out, and you keep doing the same stupid stuff that they do in the world. And thank God is going to honor that. Somewhere along the line, you all, you got to practice this stuff. Somewhere along the line, you got to say, okay, all of these scriptures about walking in love and being patient and how I'm supposed to treat my husband and respect him and talk to him, how I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Somewhere along the line, you got to look in the mirror and say, I'm going to stop acting crazy. And because God gets very, very grieved when, when you look at a Christian marriage and you look at a non-Christian marriage 
and the non-Christian marriage and the Christian marriage are exactly the same. The only difference is the Christian ones speak in tongues. <laughs> That's the only difference. So, y'all, you got you to gotta get to a place where you have to learn how to argue and be, and be respectful. You got to get to the place where you step away. You got to get to a place where you stop this physical, call, physical abuse, calling each other out of your names, hollering and screaming, just acting a fool and throwing plates. You got to grow up out of that. That's for low-level people, and there are no low-level people in here. But you can be high-level but act low-level. And, and God is not pleased by it. And that's, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever, as a Christian, heard the Holy Spirit tell me, maybe one other time, that he was grieved with his people over this. Because when you act a fool on your husband, they're just looking at you. Angels looking at each other. But man, man, we told God not to create these people. I have an and, example. Hold on. So, so we got to go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let me read you that. We had disagreement one day. With me and you? Mm-hmm. Oh. He was. <laughs> I know. He was sitting on the couch. We have a couch in our bedroom, a big sitting area. He was sitting on the couch, and I was standing. And I didn't really like what he had to say. Point blank, I didn't like it. And I was being very impatient in that moment. So I'm like, just basically just get, say what you have to say. And then I just, I walked off. I'm like, whatever. I walked off. And the moment, the moment I walked away, the Holy Spirit says to me, you are so dismissive. And generally speaking, I understood, okay, when to dismiss, dismiss someone or dismiss a servant. I, gen, I generally speaking, I knew what it meant. But then I looked it up. And it's basically to disregard someone and count them as unworthy. So as he says that to me, I looked it up in my dictionary. I went for a moment and cried. And I sat there and I repented. And I said, I'm sorry, because I shouldn't treat him as unworthy. He is worthy of honor and respect just to at least get his point out. I don't have to agree with his point, but he deserves to be heard and he deserves to be understood. You have to seek to understand before you yourself can be understood. So I went right back upstairs Remember last night we talked about when you render an apology, make sure that it's sincere and it's heartfelt. Now, I'm sorry because you knew you were wrong. So I went into the room and he had just continued working, but I knew I had cut him to his heart. I knew it. So I said, hey, I just want to say something for a second. He said, what is it? And I said, I want to just apologize. I'm sorry for speaking to you that way. And I'm sorry for being so dismissive. I should have allowed you to finish your statement. And I should have paid attention. I should have listened. I'm sorry. And he said, okay. And we went on and talked about it. And that was a great healing moment because I was humble. I could have went along with my pride at that moment and just went on with my day. He's like, whatever. I got my point out and now I feel good. When it's really causing harm to your marriage, it's not building the other person up. And guess who wins? I don't win in that situation. I don't win. He doesn't win. Who wins? The enemy. The enemy wins. And, and let me add this because I was reminded of something. Uh, uh, the scripture is the scripture, but most people see the Bible as nothing but a bunch of do's and don'ts. But the Bible is um, it's commandments. It is uh, statutes, instructions. It is a book of poems. It is a book of history. So God many times will use the scripture in a poetic way. 
and and you know uh, we will make general statements. We, sometimes I will say something concerning the ladies, and and men do have this issue too, but a lot less generally than ladies. Sometimes my wife will say this about men. Y'all got that, okay? But but as a general rule, sometimes men are extremely frustrated with the way that women talk to them. Extremely frustrated. Um, and part of it is because men are very, very simple. Women tend to think about three, four things at the same time. They string things together. They'll go back all the way 30 years and use a, and bring it up to here. He just wants to deal with the moment. And you're talking about all these other things, and he can't follow that. Generally, a man cannot keep up with the quick wit of a woman. Men don't think like that. Women think in details. Men think in blocks, visionaries, okay? And so, and so there's a scripture that the Holy Spirit shared with me that he want me to share with the women. Any of you ever read that script in scripture in Revelations? And by the way, we gave you, if you don't have a little booklet, we gave that little booklet to you for you to little jot down notes for your own personal. All of our messages will be uploaded to the site free. But as, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you write down certain things and certain topics. How many of you have ever read this scripture or heard this scripture in the book of Revelations? Near the end of it, it says, anyone who adds to and takes away from the words that God spoke and let him be accursed. Remember the scripture. And the Holy Spirit said, that is what many women are doing to their husbands. You're frustrating him because he's trying to get a simple point across. And what you do is you, you don't even let him finish. And what you do is you then finish the sentence for him. So you're adding to his words, taking away from his words, and then judging them as though that's what he said when you never even let him get out what he had to say. And I need to piggyback on that. You didn't let him get out what he wanted to say. The Bible says that's folly. To answer a matter before you've even heard it. Well, I knew what you were going to say. Are you a mind reader now? Well, if that's the case, then this man should be on top if you're a mind reader. Psyche. But you're not. So you have to shut your mouth and let him finish his point. And likewise, gentlemen, you have to keep your lips together and let her get out what she has to say. Yes, we can be long-winded. We're detailed. We have a lot of emotions and a lot of words. Let her get it out. It's the most disrespectful thing is to expect someone to communicate the way that you do. That's very disrespectful. Okay? Very disrespectful. Okay? Men tend to be, look, after this church service today, you go over to somebody's house, how was church service? Well, guess what the brother's going to say? It was good. This happened, this happened last night with our children. The ass daddy, the ass mommy. That's true. <laughs> you ask the wife, she's still talking 15 minutes later. But guess what? Everything that she said in 15 minutes is what he meant when he said good. <laughs> and in his mind, everything that the wife is saying is what he heard himself when he said good. See, so, so, and, and guess what? But women don't communicate like men. So the way we communicate gets on your last nerve. And men don't communicate like women. So the way they communicate gets on our last nerve. And yet it's designed that way to stretch your patience. So that you can learn how to become like one another. Okay. So, so these things take practice. It takes humility. It takes, I'm sorry, I interrupted you again. But, but it's very disrespectful when you, because in every marriage you have one that is more patient, one that is less patient. You have one who listens too long. You know, I'm sitting up there listening. Are you listening to what I have to say? Yeah. Because he didn't say anything. They just listening. And you think they didn't fell asleep with their eyes open because they just listening. But then you have the other individual that they are the interrupter. You can't get a word in edgewise. And what will happen is eventually 
let me say this. If you interrupt your spouse too much, eventually they will never even bring certain things up to you. They'll just internalize it or talk to somebody else about it because they can't talk to you. Okay, they'll go into the conversation and and, and you the, the person says three words and you have predetermined where you think they're going. No, you, you're wrong. And now you frustrate the individual. So be careful with that. About this is, this is what you call adding to a man's words and taking away from his words. Because And now you misinterpret and reinterpret what he's saying. And now you've taken what he wanted to say, which was his truth, and perverted it. And then judge him based on something that he never meant. And that goes vice versa. Lord Jesus, we ain't even got to the doggone point yet. Okay? So we talked about three things that blind you. How you were brought up, your personal immaturity and selfishness, and the devil. Everything at the devil. Some of this is you. How you were brought up makes you think a particular way. And then your personal selfishness and immaturity adds to that. And then the devil comes in and manipulates both. Okay? The greatest marriage is two servants in love. The worst marriage is two masters in love. Servants work really hard at the task. Masters sit around waiting to be served. Okay? We talked about that yesterday. So now we're going to go ahead and jump into... Uh, what we have for today. Um, we're going to go over, we're going to start talking about 10 emotional needs. We're going to focus on sex, physical appearance, conversation, infection, throwing some other stuff. You can text me, but I might suggest that you wait because we might cover it. Okay. Um, we, and we'll say it by starting out this. Let me just add these things. Honor is the, let me just read. Honor is the major need of men. Really honor, respect, and admiration. Honor is the major need of men. Security is the major need of women. When a man feels honored, it makes him feel like a king. When a man feels disrespected, it throws him into a state of hostility. Okay? So everything that you do must be through that honor and giving him the impression that you admire him and that respect. And his five emotional needs that are important to him, that's how you make him feel honored and feel like a king. Typical five needs for a man are physical attraction, sex, Recreational support, wants you to watch sports with him and all that type of stuff. Domestic support, he wants his wife to be able to take care of the home. And realm of respect, honor, and admiration. Okay? So, I'm getting ready to go over something that's going to transform your way of thinking, but let me say this. When it comes to physical attraction and sex, everyone is different and people like different things. So, I can't cover the basis of every single person in here. Okay? Y'all get that point. Okay, no matter what we share, the most important thing is to find out what your spouse really likes and needs. Your you spouse. don't need a magazine. You don't need a counseling appointment. You don't need a word from God. You don't need to speak in tongues. You don't need to read your Bible. You don't need to read a book on how men think and how women operate. All you need to do is talk to the one that has your last name. Talk to your spouse. Your spouse. That's all your you got to talk to. Okay, you don't need to talk to somebody else's spouse. Hey, man, how you treat women? Well, well, you might want to ask your wife that. Well, you know, women like tulips. So I go buy her some tulips. She doesn't like tulips. She likes roses. I love tulips. The tulip is my favorite flower. And I, I like she has to think she likes orchids. Well, at least I got it right when I do it. Yeah. So, but in the beginning, before we got over into the orchids, I, I just, I love tulips. So even when she told me she didn't like tulips, I'm at the store almost being tempted to get her what I like. Because it's real hard to give somebody something that you don't like. And whatever you don't like is usually what they like. Okay? So ask her. <laughs> Let me just get two examples. It's important to find out what your spouse likes. For example, because I might make some statements that offend you. Hair. 
You got to find out how, this is man and woman, we were talking about women. You got to find out what your spouse likes when it comes to hair. Some men like short hair. Some men like long hair. Some men like weaves. Some men don't have a problem with wigs. Some men absolutely do not care. And you cannot judge them whether one that doesn't care, he's a better man. No, he's not. That's just his forte. That's just his flavor. Okay? You have to be honest because there are because we're going hard. Here we go. We're going down the line. We're not there yet, but we ought to be there. There are a lot of men who suffer in silence because they do not want to hear your mouth when you ask them to make an adjustment. There are some men that they have no problem with weaves. There are other men, they want you to take it out and never put it in again. He ain't trying to deal with the drama of y'all sitting there. He just want to put his hand in your hair. And, and, and get out, I don't want it to come out in your ring and you sitting up, you know what I'm saying. And there's some men who don't care. Don't some care. men love it. It's like, babe, whatever you like. I like the versatility. One week you got you got a wig, next week you got braids, next week you got a weave down in your waist, next week you got a got a bob. He may love the versatility. So you have to find out what your man likes. You have to find out what your man likes. You have to that means ask questions. You have to ask questions. You can't make assumptions because every man is different. I cannot base his likes, his preferences, and what's going to please him based on the, the past boyfriend. He has nothing to do with this. This is a completely different man. And although there might be similarities, this is Otha Lee Turnbull the third Esquire, as he calls himself. I so I have to that. find out what's going to please him. What does he like? Because no other man matters. Mm-hmm. No other man matters because this is the one that I promised that I would please, that I would work hard, that I would honor, that I would love, that I would admire him. Not him, 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 and him. Not Dave Ramsey. I think the guy is bad. Not Dave Ramsey. Not the former bishop. Not the former pastor, but him. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) See, now that's just hair. It goes all the way down to style of clothes. Okay. Okay. My wife is not going to buy something that I don't like. I'm only supposed to see her and she's going to wear a dress that I don't like. I like her hair a particular way. That's why it's this way right here, right now. Then she on purpose won't wear it that way, but that's my style because whatever she refuses to give me, the need does not go away. It just increases like crazy. Same thing when it comes to weight, you got to find out what your spouse wants when it comes to weight. Let me give you an example. Some of y'all not going to like this, but that's our way. Okay? Got to hear the truth. Okay? When, there's this kind of 15, 20% rule. Like, for example, for men, most men, sex is extremely important. But there are about 15, 20% of women that their need for, spot, for sex is stronger than their husbands. But that's not a general rule. Okay? But generally, men want to see women a particular way. Now, there are some men, they need to see an hourglass figure. There are some men, they need you to keep it right, and they need you to keep it tight. Well, I had eight kids. Don't matter if you had 20. They needed to keep you keep it right. She, she had six kids. Didn't matter. It's still what I like. It wouldn't matter if she had 20 kids. Some people are offended by that, okay? But that's why I married this one. I won't go marry one that's going to make excuses about that. Now, I have the responsibility for creating an atmosphere by which it becomes easy for her to give me what I like. So I can't make her work 40 hours. I work 40 hours. She's doing everything with the kids. She's picking them up from school. She's cooking. She's cleaning. And, and now he, she got to go He's sitting at home. I'm sitting up home watching the game. That's not going to work. It's not fair. It's disrespectful. And you're making all these demands. No, nope, I'm not ever going to the gym because I'm doing all this work and you're not trying to help us sister out. <laughs> she preaching like I did this to her or something. I didn't do this. That's what I'm speaking for about. all the women out 
there yes. who really want a man's support, okay. who really want their husbands. You want all this. You want me to be the baggish, baddest chick out there, but you are not trying to help me be that. I want that. I love you. I want to honor you, but I'm exhausted. I've been at work all day. I'm doing homework. I'm cooking. I'm grocery shopping. And all you want to do is sit up and put your feet up. And when it's time to go to bed, you come knocking at my door. The door is closed. I need sleep because tomorrow I got to get up and do it again. So as Christian women, I told you last night, I'm going to tell you again, we need to be the baddest chicks out here. No worthy woman should have anything on you, and you should not make excuses. Yes, it's hard. It's difficult. I know I've had the six kids. I've had thyroid problems. My metabolism is all messed up, and I can't figure out why I just keep gaining weight. I'm working out. I'm eating. I keep gaining weight, so I had to go seek some professional help. So yes, there are resources and helps out here. But if you shut your mind off and say, well, this is the way I am, then there's no help available to you. No, it's not the way you are. That's, you know what? And let me say this. And, and I'm using this as an example. I haven't even jumped into it yet. But, but y'all, don't self-deceive yourself into thinking that you're okay. You know what? Let me say something. See, this works physically, mentally, and spiritually. Everybody in this room has a six-pack. Y'all know what I mean by that. I ain't talking about beer. Okay? Everybody in this room has a six-pack, everybody in this room, okay? But for most of us in this room, we can't see your six-pack only because there's something that you need to get rid of so the real you can show forth. Whereas this is the same thing mentally. You got issues that don't need to be there mentally, issues that don't need to be there spiritually so that you can be there, okay? And I'm talking to men and to women. I'm going to show you something that's about to transform your way of thinking. So back to what I was saying, which is for a lot of men, this is extremely important. And you have to ask him. And you have to be honest. You can't get an attitude and feel like you're depressed. Grow up, y'all. Grow up. You know what? Let me say something. And this might cut you a little bit. If you don't like the way that you look in the mirror, chances are neither does your spouse. I was going to say that. Let me piggyback really Can quick. Girl, just a second. Let me, let me, let me say this oh right quick. Let me say this right quick. Let me say this. Listen. Listen. If you get in the mirror and you put your jeans on and you think you look fat, don't go to your husband and say, hey, do you think I look fat? And then get mad at him. And then get an attitude and get your feelings hurt. What you're looking for. See, you're playing games. You're playing games now because you don't even like the way you look in your jeans. And then you go ask him, do you think I look fat in these jeans? Do you think I look good in these jeans? And you don't even feel good about yourself in the jeans. Then you go, that's just playing games, y'all. That's just playing games. The thing is, you want to look better. You want to feel good about yourself. You want to feel sexy and confident. But yet you want him to like something you don't even like. And you just, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was like, why would you do that? Why do you want, because you want your ego stroked and you want to be made to feel pretty. I get it. You want to feel special and pretty, but there has to be some work that goes in in terms of getting your body the way you want it because you can do it. There's, you can change. You can do it. And what will help is how a man talks to his wife, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But see, I've been doing counseling since 1996, and I can't tell you. I can't. The now, now, we now there are some things, some adultery happens because of other stuff. The devil sent an opportunity, you're away from the spouse too long, situation happened. Okay, we're not talking about those isolated incidents. I never forget, I had a man come in my counseling a session, and um, he had cheated on his wife seven times. And when they sat there, um, I said, seven times? He was like, yeah. I said, why'd you do that? He said, I don't know. And, and, and that may seem crazy to you, but I have to. I knew why when they came in. I knew why, 
So I had him fill out a little questionnaire. And then uh, he brought up the fact that this is how it happened. He said that uh, I just want my wife to wear. And when he said wear, she cut into him right into the council session. I'm not wearing that sleazy stuff. He said, you don't even have to wear it in public. Just wear it around the house. He just wanted to see his wife wear some heels and a mini skirt and look sexy and not look like she was interviewing for a scene on Little House on the Prairie or something. He just, you know, can we, can we get something up in this piece? And, and, and because she refused to do it, the need didn't go away. And then guess what happened? He ended up meeting another female who was the exact blueprint of what she would not give him. Next thing you know, they out there on the river fishing together. So I had to explain to her, ma'am, and a lot of people don't under, a lot of people really don't believe that this is God's viewpoint. So I'm getting ready to show you something, but you have to be serious because uh, I'm away. I'm away. I'm away. Let me just keep on going because we're going to get off. Okay. <laughs> Sexual needs are different for each couple. I got to say all this before I get to the point, main point. Some don't need it as much. A few rarely need it. Some need it all the time. Every couple is different. Doesn't mean anything is wrong. Physical beauty fades and sexual needs wane over time, but you are at least supposed to enjoy each other as much as you can in the younger years. Okay? In the younger years. That's why the Bible says, let a man enjoy the wife of his youth. Let her be a blessing to him all of his days. We know that goes back and forth, but it just does that. But you're supposed to be able to enjoy that. See? Never mind. Some people have had very negative experiences concerning sex from rape, molestation, prostitution, etc. But that does not negate the way that God set the system up. It just means you had a bad experience with it. So you got to get delivered. If you need counseling to be able to be able to move forward so that God can send you someone so you can have sexual expression the way that it was supposed to be. Okay. So y'all ready? I said, are you ready? Okay. So to make, because this is a real issue. This is a real issue. Okay. I'm going to bring up I want to bring this up so bad, but I'm going to wait. This is a real issue with men. And what's going on, y'all, is that many men are suffering. Now, once again, some men don't care. There are some men, they want their wife to be 50, 70 pounds overweight. There are some men that they want that, honest to God, okay? Uh, there are some men, they want her so skinny she can hoot a hoot with a Cheerio. There are some men that they want a brick house. There's a, you got to find out what your man likes and let him be honest because most men... I shouldn't say most. Many men are afraid to be honest lest he be condemned for not loving her. I cannot tell you how many people that I've had women who've had two, three kids, and they tell me he should just love me for who I am. He does love you. He just doesn't like the way you look. And you can't call the man shallow because he wants you to be in shape. There's a difference. You can love somebody without liking them, and you can like somebody without loving them. We're not talking about love. Love says I won't leave you because of how you are. Like says, I need to be physically attracted to you so we can get such, 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 such going on. And this is really, really serious. The world knows this. The church seems to be the only ones that don't. So let me show you some stuff about how God thinks about this. And I just want you to look at these things to show you God's viewpoint. Y'all ready? You're not, you're not going to lead the church, are you? Don't matter. First one, Samuel chapter 9, verse 2. I'm going to push through these really, really quick. First Samuel, just look up on the screen, brother. Look up on the screen. Don't try to take notes. You're not going to be able to keep up, brother. Listen to the tape later. He had a son whose name was Saul, a choice and handsome man. And there was not a more handsome person than he among the sons of Israel. 
From his shoulders and up, he was taller than any of the people. If beauty is not important to God, then why does he want you to know this about this man? Number two, 1 Samuel 16, 12. So he sent and brought him in. This is talking about David. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. Number three, Absalom. I just want to show you all in the scripture that the Lord wants you to know that these were good looking people. And we're not talking about good looking for comparison, comparison, but you need to look the best that you can look. Absalom, 2 Samuel 14, 25. Now in all Israel was no one as handsome as Absalom. So highly praised from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no defect in this dude. Ladies, I want you to think about it. The scripture says when you looked at this dude, there was not one blemish. Not, he was like a perfect specimen. Wow. When you, <laughs> whatever, I ain't got time for her food. Hey, women are visual too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially nowadays, okay? But, and when you go read more about this man, it says that his hair was so long, they had to cut it once a year, and it said the weight of his hair would always be 20 to 25 pounds. Okay? <clears throat> Which one am I on? Number what? Four? Yeah, number four. Number four. Adoniah, 1 Kings 1, 5 through 6. Now, Adoniah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. So he prepared for himself chairs and horsemen with 50 men to run before him. His father had never crossed him at any time by asking, why have you done this? Watch this. For some reason, the scripture wanted you to know. And he also was a very handsome man. And he was born after his father. Here we go. Number five, Joseph. Genesis 39, six through seven. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. And with him there, he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, which means he had a beautiful face and he had an extremely gorgeous body. The Bible wanted you to know that about this dude. If it's not important, then why they keep putting this stuff in here? She said, don't forget this part. God, leave me alone, girl. It says, it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, lie with me. She was after this boy. He was so fine. She, forget the husband. She was after him. This boy was a slave. This boy was a slave. And the king's wife thought she was so, he, Joseph was so fine, she wanted to have sex with him. And you know, he, he maintained his, uh, his integrity. His integrity. Mm-hmm. Number six, Sarah, Genesis 12, 11 and 12, came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, now look, I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And they will kill me and let you live. Number seven, Rebecca, Isaac's wife. Genesis 26, six through seven. So Isaac lived in Gerar. When the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, this is my sister. For he was afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah because she is beautiful. You see all of these fine people in the Bible? Now what's deep is when you read the rest about this story, it said he did lie to the king. And the king thought it was his sister. And it said the king was looking out the window one day. And it said he saw Isaac feeling on his wife. The word you sporting, but it literally means that he was squeezing on her butt and her breast. And the king said... This is not this dude's sister. This is not this dude. And he said he put him in the office, man. Why are you going to lie to me like this, dude? I saw, I saw you, what you was doing. I saw you. I saw you. Why are you going to lie and say this was your sister? And he said, well, I thought you were going to kill me. Okay. This is fine. How many of you know this is fine? Well, you walking around, and, and man, they're going to kill me any moment. You strapped. Which one wrong? Number eight, Rachel. Genesis 29, 17. Leah's eyes were weak. But Rachel was beautiful of form and face. The scripture wanted you to know that Rachel had a beautiful face and she had a bad body. That's what it means, form and face. 
Number nine, Tamar, 2 Samuel 14, 27. To Absalom, there were born three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was woman, a woman of beautiful appearance. Number 10, Bathsheba, 2 Samuel eleven two. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. Number 11, Abigail, 1 Samuel 25, 3. Now the man's name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. And the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance, but her husband was harsh and evil in his dealings. Number 12, 1 Samuel 16, 17 through 18. I'm just overly killing you in this area since y'all don't think God is in the beauty. 1 Samuel 16, 17 through 18. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. This is the standard for a man of excellence. One of the young men said, behold, I saw a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite who is a skillful musician. Every man must be skillful at something, particularly what he's called to do. Number two, he is a mighty man of valor, which means he is excellent when it comes to business. Number three, he is a warrior. He's not a man that when things go down, pit bulls show up, he pushes his wife in the way and he jump over the fence. <laughs> prudent in speech. In the King James, it says prudent in business. The Hebrew word for that, it literally means a man who knows how to explain things, speak well, and he knows how to handle his business. Okay? And then, notice what else they say. And he's a handsome man. What this got to do with, with playing music. But back then, these were qualifications. Look for somebody that looks good. And watch this. And the Lord is with him. So a handsome man, that has to do with men need to be in physical shape. We need to learn how to eat right. We need to learn how to exercise right. We don't need to be looking like Santa Claus. Thank you. But yeah, whatever, whatever I said. Thank you. Exercise. I don't know what I said. Exercise. I said exercise. It's all of these King James things. Are you serious? That's what I said. Oh, man. God. Just, okay. Handsome man and the Lord is with him. What does it mean he had a relationship with God? Okay. But he wanted to bring out he was handsome. 13. 1 Kings 1 through 4. Now, King David was old, advanced in age, and they covered him with, clo- they covered him with clothes, but he could not keep warm. So his servant said to him, let them seek a young virgin for my lord the king. Let her attend to the king and become his nurse. Let her lie in your bosom that the lord the king may keep warm. So they searched for a what type of girl? Beautiful. They were out there just looking for anybody. Hey, you want to sign this document and interview the king? They said, go out there on the street and look for somebody fine. So if you weren't looking your best that day and you was wearing them rollers and you was wearing that thing on your head that I see at Walmart, went up to Walmart Got passed yesterday. over. Got passed I over. Wanted to go, I was this close, but I knew that a girl was going to cuss me out. I was this close. I want to tell this girl so bad. You do realize you're supposed to have on a bra, right? You, you do realize this. <laughs> you know, good and well, sometimes you're at the store and you are this close. I can't believe you said that. I'm just saying. See, y'all pretend. You know, good and well, all type of crazy stuff rolls through your mind. All you got to do is just walk up in Walmart. Walmart is a, is a circus show. It's just, Walmart could test your religion. Just people be up in there like, this is a contest to see how ratchet we can be. Okay. But anyway, let's just keep on going. But they look for a what? Beautiful woman. I cannot tell you how many men that I have counseled over the years and I, that have passed over a woman because of her physical appearance. I can, I'm, just, I'm just being honest with you. I am not saying that if you don't look like something on the cover of a magazine that you're not going to get a man. What I am saying is I have watched women who were passed over by several men because she got everything, but I can't get past her looks. 
there are some men that can't deal with the overweight issue. They just can't. And I've watched women who are depressed now over that one issue, would have been married 30 years ago, and have been passed by over men over men. And you say, oh, that's just vain. No, it's not. God made a man that way, period. Not all men are like that. There is a flipping thing that's going on. When I say, let me explain that. Not all men are like that. I'll just leave it that way. But there are a lot of men that that is extremely important. That's why I'm showing you what God's attitude. We're not talking about, let me go look out here in magazine and do all type of stuff so I can look like somebody that I like. No. You are extremely attractive and beautiful when you look the best that you can look. And that's the point we're making with all this. Doing the best that you can with what you have. Because, you know what? Because a lot of this really is inner confidence. When you know you can look in the mirror, you're like, mm, mm, mm. You know you look good. Where you carry that with you wherever you go. And me and the star, you know, one of the shows that we like is The Biggest Loser. And it was amazing to see, that I, I will never forget this, this lady said, she, she, was, she was teary-eyed because she had gotten tip-top shape and everything, so she was going to the gym. And she said she would be at the gym and men would be looking at her. And she said, I didn't think they were looking at me because she was so used to men not looking at her. And she just couldn't believe, she, she, was, she was like, I could have been married 20 years ago over this issue. And people think this is vain, but I'm letting you know. I've been in the counseling business, y'all, since 1996, and I cannot tell you how many men have passed over women over that one issue. And you can get mad all you want to, or you can line up with what, how God created the system. I'm just, do y'all want me to be fake, or y'all want, y'all want to speak in tongues for a little bit? Image of spoon, come on, yeah, my Lord, and hallelujah, thank you, Lord Jesus. We just, we just gonna walk in the spirit of love and all that type of stuff, whatever. It is a lot, but they gotta get the point. Esther 1 10 through 12. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded all of these people, let's jump down, the seven eunuchs who served him in the presence of the king, to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to display her beauty. Watch this. The, let me just read it. He wanted to display her beauty to the people and the princes, for she was beautiful. But Queen Vashti had an attitude and refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. So the king became very angry, and his wrath burned within him. Okay, number one, you married to the king. How many know when you married the king, it, it, you might want to submit to the king? The, when you go back and read this, the king threw a party, so he let his wife have her own separate party. It says that he was really enjoying himself, and this is important, ladies, because men want to show off their wife's beauty to other individuals. And the king said, go get my wife. Y'all got to see this. <laughs> and the wife sent the word back, I ain't got time for that. I'm not coming. When you read the book of Esther, Esther is the woman who replaced the king's wife because he got rid of her and then replaced her with Esther. Yes. But notice, see, this is how men think. Notice when they want to go find a wife, I'm looking for fine. Notice that in the scripture, when nobody praying in tongues, no, when nobody seeking the Lord, when nobody reading Old Testament readings, nobody was like, Lord, I, no, none of that. Go look for somebody fine. So ladies, you need to look. So everybody say, fine. Men, you need to look fine. We need to learn how to get in shape. We need to look, men, we need to learn how to get rid of the Santa Claus thing right here and, and learn how to shave. Quit having that scraggly look unless your wife thinks it's sexy. My wife thinks it's terrible. Um, I tried it a couple of times. You no, know, go take all that off. You don't look right. You don't look right. Like you came off the street or something. Hey. Um, um, breath mints, you need all that. Gum, you know, men have a problem. They think that, 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 that uh, lotion is terrorism. You need to learn how to put on lotion, <laughs> put on oil. Let me tell you something. Your wife will help you out. 
You want to have y'all? If it wasn't for women, man, can you imagine what when, men would wear if women weren't around? You should have came to the men's Bible study a couple of times. We were up in there just looking. We were just wearing anything. I remember I was, I was looking at what I wore. I looked at a couple other people like, yeah, this is definitely a men's meeting right here. We were wearing gym shoes. Shorts didn't even match. We didn't care. After the meeting was over, I was in, I'm not going to tell you who. I decided I'm going to take a Krispy Kreme run. It was two other brothers in the same line. When women are not around, man, we do anything. We have a fellowship. All we need, we got something to sit on. No, man, we can just stand and talk for a few minutes then. Just shoot the breeze. Women, man, they got to decorate. They got to paint the walls. They got to bring in decorations. They got to have flowers. They got to have birds flying around. They got to have balloons. They got to have colors. They got to have ambiance. They got to have none of that. All brothers need is a seat and a piece of chicken, and we are cool. Anyway, let's keep on going. I'm reading all these so you can get the point. I know these are long. Esther, number 15. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther 2-7. That is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father or mother. Now the young lady was beautiful of form and face. The Lord wanted you to know this girl was fine and she had a bad body. Job 42-15. In the land, no women were found so fair or beautiful as Job's daughter. That's unnecessary, y'all. It is unnecessary unless this is important to God. He wanted you to know that Job's daughters were the finest girls in the land. That's the reason why Job didn't get rid of his wife. If you go back and read the story, remember what Job's wife told him? She said, fool, just curse God and die. And he said, you talk like a foolish woman. But he didn't get rid of her, did he? (laughs) He kept that fine woman. He's like, you talking crazy. And you just told you just told me to curse my creator and die. You trying to get rid of me. He did not get rid of that woman. You know why? It's a reason why the daughters were the finest in the land. Because he was married to a bad girl. <laughs> well, remember what I told you, ladies? Men don't need 33 knees to make a man happy. You only need about two or three. And if that one right there is correct, man, you don't have to cook. You don't have to make up the bed. You don't have to vacuum. He'll deal with a dirty house. Man, you, man I'm telling you, I, I met him. I met guys told me, man, I don't care nothing about her bad attitude. We just had a men's Bible story and the brother said that. He said, man, I have to be totally honest with you. I can deal with a whole bunch of stuff and she's fine. Okay? And the Lord will open up a man's, let me, let me say something right here. Make sure. Okay? When you, when you start doing this, there is a man out here. You don't need a million men. You need one. And the Lord will open up a man's eyes for you. And the Lord will manipulate his mind to see you more than anything out here. More than anything. It's something I want to share. Hold on, let me. I don't think I'm supposed to share that. No, I can't. I can't share that. All right, y'all ready? Amen. Song of Solomon, 1 5. I am black but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Keter, like the curtains of Solomon. That's going to be my wife's part in a minute. This was a dark skinned woman was saying, don't get it twisted. I am dark, but I am super fine. Song of Solomon. The whole Song of Solomon is this dark-skinned woman and her lover talking about all of the stuff that they're going to do to one another. Most people haven't read the Song of Solomon. <laughs> Ezekiel 28, 12 through 13. Son of man, take up lamentation against the king of Tyre and say to him, this is talking about Satan, folk. Thus says the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. When God created Satan, he created him to be the purest and most beautiful definition of beauty. If you had a psalm in his original state, if you saw his picture, it would have said next to that, this is the definition of beauty and perfection. That's how God created Satan. Okay. First Kings 10, 4 through 5. Amplified version. 
When the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and skill. Men, we need to have wisdom and skill. Can't do that watching TV all day. Wisdom and skill. Man, you need to be reading books. All of us need to be reading books all the time. when When she saw his wisdom and skill, the house he had built. When she saw just the food of his table and just the seating of his officials. When she saw the standing of his uh, 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 standing at attention of his servants and the clothes they had on and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he walked up into the house of the Lord or the burnt offerings as he sacrificed. She was breathless and overcome. If this ain't important, why God got this in here? This woman, the Bible says, Queen of Sheba came from a far land just to hear this man talk. And it said when she saw how this man carried himself, when she saw just how he walked into the temple. Like T.D. Jakes. <laughs> no, I didn't do that right, but I'm just trying to help you out a little bit. No, I feel like don't do that again. Okay, you know what I'm saying? It says that she was blown away at just the clothes that his servants were wearing. And when she saw all of this with this man, oh, she was overcome with grief, couldn't take it. Exodus 28:2, You shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for what? Genesis 2 9. It's the last one. Out of the ground, the Lord calls to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. So when God created food, the first thing he made important was how it looked. Then he focused on nutrition. Y'all see God's attitude when it comes to beauty? You see how far gone the body of Christ is? We don't think God is in the beauty. We call that vain. God says, no, that's how I created the system. All you got to do is look at birds. It is unreal to look at the animal kingdom and see how much God is in the beauty. And yet we think that we're supposed to be raggedy and it's okay and God just accepts this. And he doesn't. He'll cover you with his grace and everything. But you miss out on, 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 let me just keep on going. Okay. So God meant for us to be beautiful inside and out. And the enemy knows this, which is why he is using beauty to capture the hearts of mind. At minds of men. He uses music. He uses clothes. He uses cooking shows. He uses arts. I know I'm about to get ghetto. How many male dancers you see overweight with no muscles? How many strippers mind. you see that? How many strippers you see that are not in impeccable shape? How many movie stars and singers that don't look amazing? How many soldiers are out there that are not in shape? How many athletes are not built up? Everybody out there, and we're saying we got the most glorious kingdom, and we the ones looking crazy. Y'all got this look on your face like, Lord, I did not come here to hear all this, but you're going to hear it today. This is for men and women. I feel like doing some push-ups right now, Jesus. Serious. I read this and I was getting convicted. When God created beauty, he also created men and women to be attracted to and respond to that beauty. Okay? We are attracted to beauty. And the world knows this. I'm sorry, got to say this. Go to Walmart, Target, or a grocery store and go to the magazine section and show me how many magazines that are there that got women that don't have super tight bodies. I'm just, I'm just showing you that the world understands how men are made up. Now, not all men want super tight bodies. Some men do not care. Some men, they don't, I'm telling you, they go from one extreme to the other. Okay, all I'm telling you is you need to find out what your spouse needs. I'm focusing more on women because more men are like this, but this is vice versa. Okay, my wife wants me to lose about 10, 12 pounds. So guess what I'm going to be doing? Losing 10, 12 pounds. Y'all, I'm going to say this again. You go to eight hours a day at a job to please somebody. 
You spend two to three hours a day on Facebook, Twitter, and on the phone talking to your girlfriend, having a conversation with them. And some people won't take a half an hour just to do something to make their spouse happy. And that's ridiculous. All right, they don't look like they appreciate that. So let me just read this so you can do your part. Men are stimulated by what they see, which is why a woman should attempt to look the best that she can look. It's also why men should be careful what they look at. You should never compare your wife to another woman. But every wife has the responsibility of looking the best that she can look because she is a servant to her husband. Get rid of your rollers, bad weeds, flannel pajamas, and all those different type of things and all that, okay? If you don't like the way you look in the mirror, chances are neither does your spouse. You can change that. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that you are okay. If God wanted us to be overweight, he would have created us that way. Ladies, this is something very important when it comes to sexual for a man. You have to learn how to be more sexual than you feel. And men, we must be more romantic. You have to learn to be more romantic than what you feel. Okay? Most sex in marriage is meeting a need in your spouse that you don't have. It's very, very important. Okay? It's a mentality with it. Okay? Okay, let's move over to sexual fulfillment. This is a whole lot less. Then we're going to answer some questions as well. Proverbs 5, 18 through 20. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you how many times? Say it loud, lady. Say it proud. All times. I said this yesterday. Y'all, there is a reason why men go crazy over breasts. It's only one reason. Only one. Not because you're fine. Because God engineered him to go crazy over breasts. I know y'all don't like this, but y'all, God, I want you to think about something. Y'all do realize that when it comes to no teenagers in here, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Boom, I think I'm good. Y'all do realize that God is the one who engineered and created the penis in the vagina. You do realize that, right? Don't be scared, y'all. Don't be scared. Go ahead and speak up. It's either that or, or it evolved from something. Y'all, what, you think you came from a chimpanzee or something? <laughs> so, see, the body of Christ is so far gone, they don't understand God is the one who created sex. He's the one that created the penis and the vagina and all of the millions of nerves that are on those two particular organs. He's the one that designed it to feel so good. He's the one that designed a man to go crazy over it and a woman to be moved by it. He's the one that created all of that, how it flows. And then we say, no, that's nasty. And no, it's not. And ladies, I said this again yesterday. God put the need in the man to go crazy over breast and have a strong desire for sex. And he wanted you to look the best that you could look because that's what would cause the man to always be drawn to you, period. And you know what, ladies? We have gotten this thing wrong. That is an incredible gift to you from God for your husband to always want to chase after you. For your body to be in a way that pleases him. And for when he looks at you, that he wants to be with you and love you and be intimate with you. That's a gift to you. But we have taken this thing and we have perverted it. And we just like, you know what? This is terrible. I don't want it. And when you were single, oh, you were hot after it. You were a micro. You were a microwave. Oh, you hot. You get married, and all of a sudden you become a crock pot. You taking all day. It's seven, eight crock pot. You taking all day. Oh, I can feel that coming. You can't. A marriage cannot survive a sex, sex 
deny sex starved marriage. It cannot thrive. It cannot thrive. A man, when he get, when he is getting his sex, I mean, he feels empowered. He feels on top of the world. He feels like he can conquer the world. He feels like he can do anything. Maybe the kitchen ain't clean, but girl, I'm going to go out here and make it happen. And because you don't need sex that way and you're not wired that way, you don't get that. You don't understand that. And you may not ever understand it, but you have a responsibility, ladies, to embrace that. Because that is how your man is made. Whether you want to embrace it or not, he needs sex to feel powerful. When he's walking around grumpy and he's miserable and he's moody, you think, is he going through menopause? Is he going through andropause? Is he going through the midlife crisis? No, he's just upset. He can't remember the last time you guys were together. Now, there's different if there are some health issues there. If he's single, there's a grace upon him to live holy and pure because he's single. When he is married, there is no grace. He's supposed to be getting the loving. That, stop right there. Stop right there. He's supposed to be getting yeah, the loving. Y'all see them churches on TV where the guy says something, stop, they read the scripture, stop right there. I'm glad she said that. When you are single, there is a grace that is on you to help you live sex free. The moment you say I do, God takes that grace right off of you and throws it into the trash. It's gone. There is no grace on a marriage to be sex free. Because God created the marriage. Y'all, the scripture I read yesterday said the only time you all should stop is if y'all mutually agree to fast and pray together. And then he says something strange. He's, now think about it. This is God. Do not fast and pray too long without coming back together again. Wait a minute, Pastor. What if I'm pregnant and I'm uncomfortable? What do we do in that case? I don't know how to answer that right now. I just You respect each other. That's what you do. <laughs> you respect each other. That's what you do. If I'm big and I'm pregnant and it's uncomfortable, but you love your spouse and still want to please each other, you find other ways to please each other and you respect your wife's body. I, it's uncomfortable. I'm afraid. I'm concerned for the baby. There's been some challenges. I don't want to do this right now. So you find another way to love each other and appreciate each other during that time until that season is over. And there's some people in here, some people are listening. What do I do? You first tell your husband that you accept his need for sex and are committed to meeting it. That's how you start, is you first say, I understand that God made you this way, different from me, and I am committed to becoming what you need me to be. Because let me tell you something, okay? See, see, the problem is, it's, it's, it's very, now, we, trust me, ladies, I know y'all mad at me right now and everything, maybe. We're coming back around for the brothers, too, when my wife gets started, okay? We're coming back around, okay? But, but it is very, very unhonorable, very unhonorable for a man to be in a relationship, and he cannot, um, see, I'm so used to using ghetto stuff at home. Um, he cannot uh, uh, get his sex on, let's put it that way. He can't have a release. Yeah. He well, doesn't get a release. Yeah, okay, yes. yes. Yeah, okay. Why? Because then it opens the door for masturbation, pornography, and wet dreams. That's what happens. That's what happens. He needs you. You need him. He needs you. And if you refuse, you open the door for him to then start masturbating and him pleasing himself. Then when you do finally come back together, he having issues because he's been doing it on his own for so long. You open the door to pornography. 
Yes, the man has a responsibility to hold true to his integrity, but you open the door. We have to protect our husbands. You were supposed to be his pornography. Seriously. I'm dead serious. 